Hello, and welcome to If It's Gay We Play. Immediately, welcome to If It's Gay We Play, a podcast where we skipped a week. Where we skipped a week. We yeah. needed to. We, it, was, it was a good choice all around. Yeah. We're very fresh, fun, and flirty, and we prepared are. to be back in your ears. Last time we tried to record, I had a depressive breakdown and couldn't record, just to be full uh, honest about my struggles with mental health. Yeah, it's important, I think, uh, to, uh, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I was too depressed to record the podcast. We tried, and I sort of had a breakdown partway through, so... Okay, I've previously been much too high to record the podcast, which yeah. I think is a comparable level. Some oh, we did it. Not play. Oh boy, Hannah, we're doing it now. I'm so fucking tired. Yeah, yeah, we had a big night. I'm wicked sleepy. Wicked sleepy. Uh, I'm Kai. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And do we have any call outs for last episode? Wendy. Wendy had a call out. Yeah, we have a call out. So yes. apparently, Wendy texted me to say that the people that I've been, the loathsome people I've been referring to as uh, hippies are in fact wooks. I still think there's a difference between hippies. W O O K S. Yeah. I think there's a difference between hippies and wooks, or like I think there is because all wooks are hippies, but not all hippies are wooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a rectangle square thing because wooks is based from the word wookie, um, which is to say that they're hairy people. But not all of them, and many hairy people are not terrible. Well, yeah, I am a hairy person, and I think I'm pretty okay. Yeah, I mean, like oftentimes they're like white people with dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which again. Is don't. repulsive. It's <laughs> racist and bad, and don't. and it just looks bad. It just looks bad. It's just bad. Sure. Um, I stand by what I said about hippies because I do have a lot of problems with like the hippie movement and all their music fucking sucks. I think we've really shifted the tone of this podcast to be less about video games and more about groups of people that we dislike. Well, shoot, I just know. hippies. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you Thank had you. a little bit of a about face on hippies. You had a I don't remember if we talked traumatic, about that last episode or this episode. We didn't talk about it this episode because we haven't recorded this episode. But when the first time we did uh, talk about uh, yeah, it, but okay. nobody's heard that recording. No, Kai, I know. So it I, know. Matter. I just didn't. I mean, I didn't remember where where I talked about it. Yeah, I um. You you don't have to I mention saw, why, but you have had a uh, I had I had a, a traumatic hippie based experience. experience. That that made me that made me reconsider some of my positions, and uh, I, I I am still loath to say that I hate a person because of an identity that they hold, unless they are a Nazi. Yeah, I, hate them. I don't but, hate people be solely because oh, sure, they're sure, hippies. Sure. There's just other reasons. But I if, know, like a white person with a yoga mat and dreadlocks comes up and tries to talk to me, I do have a predisposition to be like, mm, I really don't want to talk to you. white dreads. Dreadlocks is fair. Um, anyway, yeah, I had a traumatic hippie incident and Kai came I, home. Kai texted me from the hippie incident and was like, you were right. Never mind. Yeah. I said that, uh, I said that I really wanted to like go into a mosh pit or get a corporate job because yeah. those were the two things that I interpreted to be the opposite of, um, of hippies of the 1960s hippie movement. Anyway, I want to talk about, um, that was what, our call out is that yeah. apparently I just like whoops. I stand by what I'm saying about hippies, but the, the focus of my ire is apparently called Wooks. I see. Well, I want to talk about, uh, what are you playing right now? Um, I uh, have been playing a number of things. I've been playing Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild again. I've picked it back up. Sure. Um, I accidentally stumbled into the final Ganon battle, but I didn't want to do it yet. So oh, I, I uh, loaded a previous save file, and I'm like finishing up some castle exploration and stuff, and then I'm going to go fight Calamity Ganon. Um, He's a fun-looking boss fight. 
he has a fun looking boss fight. I think it's going to be very fun. Um, and then I can do whatever. You can still do stuff after you beat oh, the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, That's a good game. It's a great game. Um, I started playing Nier Automata. Mm-hmm. Finally playing a new game. Yeah, I'm very excited And finally about using it. my PS4. Um, I also went through the PS store. So it turns out, remember how I said I ordered God of War and we were waiting for it to come in the mail? I do remember this. It turns out, upon reflection, that I did not buy God of War. <laughs> upon reflection. Because it I was, see. I looked back at my Amazon history and it was, I remember now that it was because it was as expensive, like there was no way to get it for cheaper than $60. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't get a used copy, so that was any less expensive. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to buy a full price used copy, I'll just buy a digital copy. That's when it's time to visit your local GameStop. Uh, and support the arts. Okay. I know you're joking, but I just got, like, you know. I spent a lot of time at GameStop as a young person. Oh, we all did. Say. But, like, fuck corporations don't support GameStop. Oh, sure, yeah. They're sharks. I mean, Amazon's a corporation, too. No, I know. I Yeah, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Uh, and Amazon is evil. Amazon is wicked evil. Um, but, like, GameStop is not better. Um... And so you didn't buy God of War is what you're saying. Didn't buy God of War. I have now since bought it on the PlayStation Store. So I got God of War. I got uh, Last of Us Remaster. I got, um, what's that game called? Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. I was going to say Zero Divinity Dawn. Original Sin, which that was, was wrong. Not it. No, that was And then I was going to say Arkham playing, Horror, which is which very is also wrong. not at all correct. Um, but yeah, I got but Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn was on sale for $20. It wasn't even on sale. It's just the price. That's just the price. Apparently, Horizon, or Horizon Zero Dawn, like Ultimate Edition on the PlayStation Store was $20. I thought it was some kind of trick or joke. Yeah, I but thought it, it was wasn't. A DLC or something. Yeah, but, I was trying yeah. to look at it. It wasn't an add-on. It was just the full like deluxe edition of the game for twenty. Now, I've heard mixed reviews about that game. I've heard mostly positive reviews. It drags a little in the middle, is most of what I've heard. But mm-hmm. that it's very beautiful and fun to play. Oh, I have heard that it's beautiful, and I have heard that the mechanics are uh, the combat is enjoyable. Yeah, uh, and that the story is good, but it's very slow. Yeah, is what I've heard about it. Uh, so those are the expectations I have going in. So sure. I bought those things, and I bought uh, bought God of War, I bought Horizon Zero Dawn, and I bought Last of Us. Was that it? I thought I bought a fourth thing. I don't know. Hmm. Think about it. I was going to buy the Ratchet & Clank like remaster, but then I remembered that I didn't actually like Ratchet & Clank that much when I played it as a kid. I just liked the idea of it. Well, don't say it so loudly. Why? The millennials will be mad at you. Oh, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm on a podcast. Um, so yeah, so we didn't buy that. I feel like I bought a fourth game. You, What are you playing right now? I'm going to look at my email and see if I bought a fourth game. So I started Nier Automata because I've been very interested in the uh, in the story mm-hmm. and the gameplay. We've and heard yeah, because I've heard nothing, it. but um, it's an amazing game. Oh yeah, exactly. And I've been really enjoying the, uh, the combat thus far. I'm maybe like two hours in. Um, yeah, I just kind of finished like the, uh, the like, prologue mission or whatever, and I mm-hmm. went to the uh, the place where you go after the prologue mission. Um, I went, I'm went. i in the beginning of the second mission. I'm yeah, back I on started Earth. the second mission, then I had to quit. But uh, it's the combat is very enjoyable so far, and I think obviously everyone knows this, but the music is the absolutely music is gorgeous. The music is amazing. Um, as well as uh, just the game and the... the the angles of the camera that are used in that game and the way that they shift so organically but provide a really nice context, I guess, for the parts of the game that you're playing. It's very, very delightful. It is. And um, yesterday I actually uh, saw that We Happy Few had come out, I believe, just yesterday on the uh, on the Xbox One on consoles. Um, and I started playing it, and 
I do it's have to tell you, glitchy. it's probably crashed at least 10 times over the course of me playing it for two days. The first time I tried to open it, it crashed right before the uh, title screen about three times. Um, but after getting in there, after forcing my way in, hacking hacking in with a... Hacking into the main game. I only bought those three games. Carry um, on. <laughs> I will. Uh, it's it's actually been pretty interesting to get into. Um, when you were saying it uh, reminded you a lot of Dishonored, it plays kind of similarly to Dishonored. I understand why people are comparing it to Bioshock also mm-hmm. because it has a very similar feeling. I have not been too spooked yet. My biggest concern was getting too spooked. Um, <laughs> so far, low spook level. So far, low spook level. But you haven't gotten I, like back into the village I'm very yet. bad at Yeah, I haven't like gotten back into the actual... like. Spooky I mean, it's parts. all dystopia, right? But I haven't right, gotten back haven't gotten into, into the like, dystopian the government. The yeah, yeah, I haven't gotten back in there. But it's been, um, it's been very enjoyable, actually. One of my favorite things in games is collecting uh, things and crafting them. And oh boy, do you get to do that! And I love that classic gaming trope where you get thrown into a situation where all of your items get stolen, and you have to like fight your way back to get them back and there's one of those quests and that's nice um i i've been enjoying the world building so far i am not overly like invested or sucked into the uh to the characters um specifically the main character you start off playing as arthur how long have you played so far? i've probably played for like three hours okay so it's so you've sort of Three to four begun. hours, so I've barely even begun. Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously going to give myself more time. I'm just saying, not yet have yeah. I been super sucked in. But I'm very fascinated by the world that they've provided. It's a very beautiful game, I would say. It's very uh, colorful. The the graphics are engaging. Um, it's just glitchy as all hell right now yeah, on the consoles. Yeah, well, um, at least on Xbox. At least on Xbox. It. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say on Xbox. It's the loading times are atrocious. There is an unskippable beginning, like, loading cutscene that you just have to watch no matter what you do. Um, and sometimes, like, the scariest thing that's happened to me so far is one of the loading screens. Sometimes the music will just go... It'll, yeah, it'll freeze and the and, uh, music will yeah. start, to, start to glitch out. And it's out. very scary. That that I find scary. But the... The gameplay is very smooth. It's very intuitive. Um, I haven't pressed the wrong button too much. I really like the the element of having to play a certain way or conform to a certain method of like being in uh-huh. the game world uh, in order to like not get seen or caught or have yeah, people be suspicious like you have to of like you. code switch and or you, whatever. yeah yeah and you have to wear certain clothes and like do certain things and I like that a lot. That's very um, pleasing and fulfilling to me. And yeah, I I so far will keep playing it. Like mm-hmm. I think it's definitely so so a good, good enough game that I'll keep playing it. So far, so good. And I imagine glitches will only get better with time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really impressive yeah. that such a small studio put out such a big game. Mm-hmm. And I actually like the open world elements thus far. Yeah, even though I was it's not been getting some them. initially not great reviews or like middling reviews just because it it didn't bill itself as an open world. No, game. it did not. Um, excuse me. Oh, we goodness. had a very large lunch before this. We did. Um. Uh, but that it is very or pretty open world, um, and so some Yo, people yeah, far. especially liked that. But you like it so far. You really like open world games, though. I do, and like you really like games. games where, like, in this game, you have to like eat and sleep to survive. I love and you that. love the type of shit you love, like realistic games that make you like do normal living things. To I do get through them. 
I, I think that adds, uh, in this context particularly, it adds a level of challenge and Totally, yeah. I can see it. liking it in this game because it, yeah, it sort of like makes you be more engaged in what's going on, yeah. I guess. I feel a little it's bit sort like of I'm reverse Brechtian. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I feel, yeah, I guess it kind of is because you're kind of forced to think. I'm, I'm curious how this is going to match up. I've read a lot of dystopian novels and watched a lot of dystopian movies because I'm very passionate about dystopia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I draw some of my theories for uh, queer dystopia from. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really am interested Ooh, I in I want to talk more about queer dystopia when we I get into the meat of the episode. Say, yeah. uh, but those, those are like elements that I really enjoy in literature and films and whatever, whatever. Um, so I'm curious to see how I like it in this game because it's really been billing itself as kind of like a uh, a traditional dystopian like 1984 like world worlds yeah, yeah yeah I'll just be very curious to see because so far it's a little bit different than people expected it, it to be it is different than I expected so it to I'm be very curious billing. to see how it I uh, thought there would progresses. be more um, story driven elements in it. Yeah. Like, I thought it would be a little bit more railroaded than it yeah. is. Um, I think that's I what everybody thought. That. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that I mean, exactly that's very much how thought. it was marketed. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it keeps yeah. going. But I'm very excited to be on the cutting edge. The anecdote that I did, the final anecdote about We Happy Few that I'm going to tell is the fact that I was perhaps the first player, if not one of the first, who there's, there's a choice in the beginning of the game. This is not spoilers. This has been out for ages where you either take the pill or you don't take the pill. Yeah, you take your and joy. And in every playthrough, um, your joy pill. And in every playthrough that I've seen so far, people have not taken the pill, like especially when they were demoing it and displaying it. I took the pill, and instantly I got the credits and the game was over. Yeah. So technically I am the first person to beat We Happy Few. Yeah. I finished the game, and it was okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, I've also been playing, this is not as interesting, but I've been replaying Civilization V now that I'm better at video games. I'm still really bad at Civ V, though. I'm also bad at, I'm bad at, like, resource-driven, turn-based strategy games. I love them, but I'm not very good at them. Like, you keep beating me, like, kicking my ass at Rivals for Catan. Yes, I do. Um... Uh, I'll be curious to play Civ Five with you one of these days. I did less bad this time than I have in the past. It's funny because if I, I if I play on easy, I just demolish the game. I mean, because it's the point really of easy, easy. right? Um, but on normal, I am really bad at that game. Um, but I did less terribly than I have in sure. the past. So one of these days, I'll beat the computer. One of these days, I'll play it with you, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. You're probably going to win. Probably. But I really we'll like strategy games. Again, I love them. I'm just not always very good at them. I know. It's so just shocking. So you beat me at Rivals for Catan, and then I made us play Scategories so that I could kick your ass. Yeah, but it was fun either way. Yeah. Um, Scategories is a blast. I before before we dive into the main segment, uh, what's the gayest thing that you've done this week? Ooh, we went to... This is not the gayest thing, but we went to a uh, local vegetarian restaurant, Studio City. Um for lunch today and our roommate was working and we got a fat hookup and I had a lot of coffee. Uh, is that gay? No, I mean, that was, I mean, yeah, going to a vegetarian restaurant that is for pretty gay. late brunch, early lunch. That was definitely late lunch, my friend. That was 4 p.m. We left at 4 p.m. We got there at like 2, 2.30. All right. That's still late lunch to me. Uh, that's a pretty reasonable time to eat lunch to me. Yeah, it's reasonable. And we just had a leisurely lunch. We did. We, did, we had a very leisurely lunch. Um... It was not that busy. Should we? Here's something. This is not related to the gayest thing I've done this week. How do you feel about shaming? Hmm. Let me try this again. Mm-hmm. Take it from the top. Yep. 
Hi, welcome to If It's Giving Pleasure. Oh no, oh no, Just please. Just kidding. Um, how do you feel about shaming? Fuck! <laughs> one more again, time. Again, one more again. How do you feel about sharing our gamer tags on the podcast so that people can add us on gaming things if they want to play games with us? I think that, um, so one of the podcasts that I listen to, uh, The Read, one of the people who does that podcast, um, it's a wonderful podcast, you should listen to it, uh, Kid Fury has created a private, like, PS4, like, gaming group. I don't know if he still runs that, I don't know if that still is happening, but it seemed to have gone okay for him. I might create a separate gamer tag or something to play with people. I don't feel super great about that, because all of my usernames are the same everywhere. And there's other things that I don't necessarily want people to see. Like on social media? On social media and other places, yeah. Well, you could first, well, you could make it private on social media. I am, I, everything is private on social media. Okay, so then they're not going to see it. I, I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but I would prefer not to do this. Okay, I was just curious. Okay. Um, I feel comfortable giving mine out, and I will. My PlayStation Network tag is Bananagrams420. So add me. It is a very good username. Um, add me, and I'm gonna get Overwatch at some point here soon. Oh yeah, let me type play Overwatch, Overwatch with uh with, with listeners. listeners. Um, I what's the gayest thing I've done this week? Yes. Um, we had our closing night for Henry the Fourth, mm-hmm. Shakespeare's Henry the Fourth last night. We had a very fun. It's not party. that. Um, it's not that. I mean, I keep using that. Last time you told me that I couldn't keep using that, That's so I'm true. trying to think of something that. else. Okay. Uh, I did wear a very nice like shirt and vest and tie to introduce the show. Um, you can use outfits. Outfits are definitely allowed. And yeah, I wore that outfit, and that was really gay and sec- very sexy. Loved its vibe. Um, yeah, I haven't really done. I thought I broke my toe earlier last week, um, and I think it's sprained. It's been about a week, and I it hurts a lot less. It still hurts, but it hurts a lot less, and I can move it move it better. So I think it's sprained. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, so I couldn't really do anything for a few days. I just sort of laid around, like, smoking weed and watching Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. I was uh, there. Which is pretty gay, I guess. I um, guess. Yeah, smoking weed and eating. Gr- er, eating. Wanting <sighs> I'm to I'm very eat, tired. Perhaps. I was uh, awake f- yesterday. I had to be at work at 8 a.m., and then I was up and... T- Till, so I woke up at like 6.30. I was up until like 12.30. Mm-hmm. I'm still very tired. I've had a lot of coffee today. Kai, what's the gayest thing you've done this week? Um, That's a great question, Hannah. Uh, I would probably have to say... Really uh, enjoying a conversation that I had last night at the party. That, uh, oh boy, I feel like... Okay, I feel like being at a party and singling out one person that you are going to talk to for the rest of that evening. Yeah, and going to, like, the porch to talk to that person all night. I think that is gay. I think it's gay. It's also, like, millennial, but but millennials are gay, so. Well, millennial overlaps with gay a lot of the time. Yeah. Because those cultural identities are relatively similar. So, like I said, millennials are gay. Yeah, yeah. Um, But not all (laughs) gays are millennial. Well, yeah, no, duh. Rectangles and squares, man. Uh, newts and salamanders. <laughs> Time's a flat circle. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's gay. Thank you. Um, are you ready to dive into the main segment? Yeah. I don't know. If we run out of things to talk about with this segment, I have another thing, an unrelated thing we could talk about, too. It doesn't carry us for a whole episode. Well, we'll I'm see. interested in uh, what, what you have to say about this and what questions we can develop about it, because we're going to be talking this week about... Um, Specifically, AI and video games, artificial intelligence, androids, robots, those sorts of things. 
in relation to transgender people. And yeah, and just gender identity. And, and just gender identity in general. In but general. I think that um, a lot of the, I think that the way that we view trans people in society really opens up a lot of questions for the way that we view gender. Like I think the existence of trans people brings us to question what a lot of gender things mean and i think that's really cool and that also really sucks that it's you that has to be responsible for that not you right but but the abstract you you, the abstract you yeah um i'm getting warm i'm gonna take off my shirt okay carry on um and i guess i just want to talk a little bit about the okay it's hot in our house it is very hot in our house the the kind of like literary and film context like the cultural context for my making this connection right I well guess. you talked you talk about this in your thesis don't you no or no no not my wrote thesis no i wrote a this. paper on okay. it okay um but still so look at the get it published hit me up if you have a journal uh, <laughs> or medium to publish but i uh investigate the way that the idea, the the language surrounding androids and AI, as well as trans people. Yeah. Uh, Android's the type of robot, not the phone. Yeah, not the phone. Yes, thank <laughs> you. I appreciate that. Although there is a Google robot that lives in the Android phone. That is true, uh, which I also talk about. Uh, passing, the concept of passing is very heavily brought up. Mm-hmm. Androids passing as people, trans yeah, people like passing as test. cis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and we talk about that a little bit more later. And I feel that the... My, my question is like, and I would be curious actually to just hear you answer this right off the bat. What, how do you think the gendering of AI and androids reveals something about the nature of the way that we in the U.S. view people who are visibly not passing as a gender? Well, I think the need to like gender robots just speaks to, because robots obviously don't have gender, like they are robots. Um... But the need to, like, gender robots and, like, give Siri this very feminine voice and, like, traditionally feminine name and, like, refer to her as her, um, even though she's not, she's a robot that lives inside my phone. Like, she doesn't have a gender. Um, She doesn't have, like, autonomous thought or choice, as far as we know, yet. I love you, Siri. She can probably hear me. Yes. Um, Is, uh, just speaks to, like, homogenous societies need I've had a lot of coffee today so I'm a little a little I get a little bit of a stutter when I've had too much caffeine Mm -hmm. or I'm really tired um that it just speaks to like yeah like the the hegemonies need to put everything into gendered categories regardless I mean I saw an Instagram post today uh showing that like two globes for sale at a place and there was literally like a girl globe and a boy globe and the girl globe was pink um like that's the world that we live in so i think putting robots into those categories like just speaks to the need to do that with all things and like obviously ai aren't inanimate well they're it's funny because they're inanimate objects in that they don't like i don't know if they're inanimate objects or not but they're in theory, like, true artificial intelligence, like, has independent thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't really have that yet. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Because the Turing test, obviously, I think has, like, the need for things to pass as our yeah, conception of what human is. Yeah, we talked about this last is. time a little bit. And 
Revan, nobody heard that conversation. No, no, I know. I, I was just going to say, and, and I remember, like, telling you about this, uh, where the Turing test, if you're not familiar, is, like, Alan Turing, and it's uh, the way that, one of the ways that we test if something is, like, quote-unquote true AI or whatever, mm-hmm. if some human is, like, on one end of a computer and then they're, like, typing and talking to somebody on the other end that they assume to be human if they don't know that they're right. going in and testing somebody. And can't tell and can't that it's not tell human. And can't tell that it's not human, even and there's if like, they are. Yeah, there's, like, criteria and that they have to pass, basically. Like, because, like, anybody could mistake anything for human. Like, people mistake spam emails as written by actual Nigerian princes. Um, so there's definitely people in the world who are maybe not the most perceptive, but for the purposes of the Turing test, like there are like certain criteria that the AI basically has to pass. Um, and again, so far we like we haven't hit the singularity. We don't have robots that have true like autonomous, independent thought um, and can like make decisions on their own and that kind of thing. Yeah, we're getting there. Oh sure, but we're not quite. When the singularity hits, that's when we'll get like robots with their own autonomy and personalities and stuff and um, which i'm very excited for but that that speaks to the conception of like in order to pass as a man or a woman there's like certain criteria like well, certain boxes yes you there's have certain to tick, boxes basically. that you have to tick uh and to expand on the turing test a little bit more the original article that turing wrote was uh basically it's it contains a simple like party game that involves three players and there are required genders for the players. Uh, player A is a man, player B is a woman, and player C can have whatever... It says either sex, but whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, and player C is unable to see either of the other two players and can only communicate through written notes and has to determine which is the man and which is the woman. Oh, wild. Which is a wild fucking conception yeah. for a test. But basically, like, you... A lot of the time... What it, what it does is it replaces one of these players with a machine, and it can be whether can can like uh, can a machine decide whether somebody's a man or a woman, or can uh, a person decide whether can a person like say that a machine is a man or a woman, or like what is that? But both uh, both player A and player B are trying to trick the interrogator into making the incorrect decision. I think in the in the article it's originally just player A that's the computer. Uh-huh. Um. But it's just kind of like... So gender was basically written into the Turing test originally. Because gender is so tied to our conception of whether of you're humanity. a human or not. Yeah. Um, when I, I think this is actually an interesting example. You've been talking a lot about um, the people on Instagram that you follow that are undergoing some uh, procedures to uh-huh. be less visibly gendered. Yeah. And a lot of the time, either they describe themselves or you describe them as, like, alien-looking or, like... Well, very... they identify themselves that way. Yes, exactly. I'm not saying that, like, you're calling them that. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's how Like, that's Veronica how it Blades is. Yeah. identifies herself as an alien. Yeah. And, like... She's right. That's, that's another removal from 
humanity, so to speak. Like these people are getting rid of all any conceivable marker of gender, mm-hmm, like and thus that is yeah. removal of humanity. And what's really interesting for me is the area of the uncanny valley, right? Because that ties very strongly to video games, because video games are constantly trying to be like hyper realistic or whatever. Right. And escape the well, uncanny yeah. Valley. Now to the point where with like um, Death Stranding coming out, oh, whatever the yeah. fuck that game is even about. Aaron um, has some good thoughts on that, yeah, actually. But the Death Stranding is one of the first games where instead of like crediting like voice actors, like most of the time games don't have credits for voice actors until the very end. They don't have like initial credits for voice actors or whatever. Depending be, on the like, game, yeah. Yeah, but you'll be like playing it and be like, is that? And you'll look it up and you'll be like, oh my god, that's... It was Patrick Stewart it was the whole Patrick time Stewart. in Oblivion. Wow. Um, or like famous people will pop up. I'll be like playing a game and look at it and be like, wow, that person is weirdly really famous that yeah. happens in Bioware from time to time. Um, or like in uh, uh, Mass Effect, how um, Arya Talok is voiced by Carrie Ann Moss, who is Trinity in The Matrix. That's, um, I always forget about that. But anyway, your point. Get, that's what's interesting. Yeah, uh, that. Um, fuck me. Norman, Norman Reedus. Reedus. Yeah. Uh, so now, thank you for the Reedus. Now, though, that game is is saying like starring Norman Reedus, not well, like voiced by Norman because, Reedus. Um, they used his face as the model. Uh, Hideo, uh, Hideo, whatever that guy's name. The Kojima. Big, Kojima. Yeah. He was working on the next Silent Hill. Yeah. Which was going to be with Norman Reedus. Yeah. But then he had a falling out with, uh, Bandai Namco, I believe is yeah. in charge of that series. He had a falling out, right. And then the, the Silent out. Hill got canned. It got canned, but he was like, I still want to work with Norman Reedus. So he started his own separate company and was basically like, we're doing this Norman Reedus thing. So it will probably have a lot to do. It it will be Silent Hill adjacent, probably. No, totally. But I'm saying for the for what I'm talking about, like right, the, right. we're saying like, I'm saying I was saying that part of part of why it's Norman Reedus is because he just really want, wanted to work, work with, with Norman, Norman Reedus. Reedus. Yeah. But what I'm saying in general is for all the actors you, of that game, because Matt Mickelson is in that game and like the woman is played by somebody who's apparently famous to people who care about things. That uh, sure. all of those people, like they use the faces of those people and they use the voices of those people and the motion capture from those capture from those people, and instead of being like voiced by blank, they are saying starring blank, which they've never said in video games before. That this oh, is man, not the voice of so and so. But that is an interesting. I've thing seen that in every noticed. production I've seen of it. Yeah, that they haven't seen that before. You generally yeah, speaking, I, I mean, they do that like I mean, an animated. They don't use that all the time, but I, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of. I was actually reading. I don't point. remember where I read this, but I was reading something. I heard something. It might have been from Polygon about how that's kind of a new thing, for video games to say starring so and so because they're not just providing a voice. Like they do all the motion capture for the game in the way that movies where Andy Circus plays whatever you know character. Oh, he's but playing. they've been doing motion capture for a while. Like no, even I know, in Life but strange games. I know, but let me finish my thought okay i promise i'm gonna get there what i'm saying is it's that game is so hyper realistic and it's gone arguably past the uncanny valley to the point where it is like it is just digital norman reedus Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying like rather than like this person is clearly the voice of this yeah yeah and and not visibly right yeah i get what you're saying is that it's so hyper realistic like the thing that I, I again I don't remember the source of this but I do remember reading this or hearing this somewhere okay. that part of the reason they're saying starring so and so is because it's just it is as though you are just controlling the body of the actor 
Sure, I mean, like, that it's makes different a lot of and sense. it's more like hyper realistic and much closer to actual reality. Sorry, part of the reason why I used the term hyper realistic and used it in quotes, um, I find it very funny because it's. <laughs> It's not a. It doesn't really mean anything to add the word hyper to realism. I, I just find that funny. Well, I know, but there are in art it does though because there's realistic painting and then there's hyper realistic. Oh painting. sure, yeah. There's the realistic movement of art and then there's like photorealistic painting. I understand like grammatically whatever you yeah. can get pedantic about it, but in terms of art and like photographic representation, like it there's does actual, actually mean yeah, something. Yeah. Um. So the reason why I brought up the uncanny valley is because I kind of. I found this sort of interesting connection in in my uh, in my research, and uh, so the Uncanny Valley plays a big role in video games, right? Because there's a lot of video games that are a little bit um, uncomfortable to look yeah. at sometimes. I, can you real quick define Uncanny Valley? I know what it means, but just for our listeners, can we talk yes. about agreeing on a definition of what the Uncanny Valley is? So it's basically the relationship between the degree of something's resemblance to a human being and our emotional response to an mm. object. So it's basically, nobody can see my hands. It's basically like, so there's a certain level where things very clearly don't represent people, but right, are kind of humanoid, like, let me finish, that are like, yeah, that are comfortable, that are like uh, uh, teddy bears, or, yeah, and that's comfortable. Like, or like old school video games where it was really blocky. and Yeah, yeah, and then slowly as things start getting more humanoid or more realistic, it dips down into this area of the valley where uh, we start to have more of an abject response. Yeah. Um, and the things that are considered to provide, like, abject responses are corpses or mutilation or right. things that are involving the destruction of humanity. Uh, yes, Hannah, in the back. <laughs> well, isn't it because when you go past, I'm sure you were probably about to say this next, but when you go past that valley, it starts to be comfortable again. That's, yes. Realistic enough, but there's a valley in between. Like, the example a lot of people give is that terrible Tom Hanks Polar Express oh, movie. Oh, no, when I hate that as a child. motion animation was really new. That's so very, that, when oh. it was almost there, but yeah. the faces didn't quite move well enough. I hated so that So that it lot, looked actually. really, and like, I think corpses and, and mutilated bodies like provide that same thing where it's like, a corpse doesn't look like what you expect a human to look like. It's like mm -hmm. almost there, but there's a distance enough from what a living human looks like mm -hmm. that it starts to like, it activates that almost fear response in your brain. Oh yeah, I mean, this requires us to talk a little bit about the uncanny, which was kind of described. Yeah, yeah, Das Unheimlich, which was described by uh, Freud in Excess, um, which is basically Fuck like- Freud. Yeah, no, definitely fuck But Freud, he said some is, things that um, were smart. He did. Uh, he it's it's where things are like strangely familiar, but just not a, too familiar. like a half step to the but not yeah, too uh, not familiar. It, it creates like an eerie feeling and revulsion, also considered yeah. to be the abject. And part of the reason why I'm so fascinated by the aspect of the Uncanny Valley, not only because it ties to video games, where there are a lot of examples of video games like even Oblivion, one of my favorite games in the Elder Scrolls series, there are some moments in there where it is uncomfortable to watch the the, the, the characters. Like move. Yeah. Bethesda games are sort of well known for having hilarious, uncanny, sprites. Un hilarious sprites and uncanny valley movements or something. 
Like even in Skyrim, well, something will be like almost realistic, but then it'll move in a really glitchy yeah, it's, way. It's fantasy. Um, but games like oh gosh, Death Stranding that are coming out recently, and even Last of Us too, I would say. Right, a lot of games in this no they seen, are not but the, from just looking a at lot of games in this trailers. era are on that other side right of or the even valley. when we were watching uh the trailer for that new samurai game yeah where they were having that fight on that platform that where like gorgeous. the camera animals were moving really cinematically and the whole ground was like covered in leaves that were like moving Swirling, with the wind and yeah. causing shadows and stuff while they're fighting because graphics processors are so amazingly yeah, it's wild. newer and better and different now. Like I just bought a PS4 Slim, which has a little less power than like the PS4 Pro, but it's a terabyte of memory and that's insane. Yeah. That's so much fucking. So memory. we have a lot of ability. So I wanna I wanna talk about the abject, goddammit. So we're getting there. I know. I'm just very excited. We're trying um, to do our podcast. Listen, I'm talking about it right now. So the Uncanny Valley factors both into AI androids, right? Because currently I feel like most of the androids that we have in our world are still deep in the dark, dark depths yeah, of that valley. valley. Have you yeah. seen that, like, mouth robot on the internet that... <laughs> there's there's this video of just, like, this mouth robot that's very scary and it makes noises and it's like, whoa, whoa. I don't like that. Oh, well, it's very bad. That reminds me of when I was walking down the street in Madrid one time and there was... <laughs> It, all oh. the performance art in Madrid is really, really, really fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or at least that I saw on the street when I was there. And there was this person sitting. It was like just an adult head, but like poking out of like a baby basket. I actually don't know how they did that illusion. It was kind of cool. But they were just like shouting odd noises at the street. And I was with my friend and we were both really hungover and we just had a really surreal experience at the museum. <laughs> And uh, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen. What playwright am I thinking of? Based based on that, what's who's the playwright that has the head in the? Oh, uh, Beckett. Beckett, thank you. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, and the mouth that's one. Beckett. Yeah, and the mouth that's one. That's what that reminds me of. Is that whatever yeah, the mouth yeah, play is? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, do you remember what the Beckett mouth play is called? Where it's just the mouth, it's saying the same sentence over and over again. Anne was in it. I bet the internet I can. I believe it's called mouth play. <laughs> no, God, I hope not. Uh, Below perhaps... her mouth. <laughs> no. Is it perhaps Cowboy Mouth? It's definitely no, not Cowboy Mouth. Patty Smith and Depo Sam not Shepard? No. Cowboy not Mouth that. is Patty Smith what? and Sam Shepard. That's I do wild see that, what though. you just what? said. Um, I'm very interested in that. Did they you, wrote uh, it together as well. well our, very, our very famous professor, Anne Penner. Oh, we love her very dearly. Um, <laughs> Who we're mentioning. Beckett Mouth Play. You're going to get porn. Not I. Not, not I, I. Rockabye. No. No, well, the other play is called Rockabye, yeah, that's it. and that's where she's sitting in the chair. They did them in Rip. That's why you're thinking of that. Oh. Anne was in both. I remember seeing the poster. Yeah, that's it. Anne was in both, and they took it to the fringe, and they did them like at it once. Not in even Scotland? in Rip, just like one after the other. Anyway, yeah, so so yes. that so that's all to say that the robot mouth is very freaky, um, and it creates a response of the abject in people, yeah. right? I think, I, yeah, okay, sorry. I just, the final thing about the abject that I really want to get into is its connection to the queer and gender. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I argue very strongly that because the abject is so tied to our conception of humanity or loss of humanity, it is well documented that uh, disabled people cause an abject response Mm -hmm. in uh, abled people a lot of the time. And I... I'm not arguing that that is correct or okay or it's good. Just well it, it's just it's it's unfortunately a lot of the part of when people describe what an abject response is, they're like a missing limb like causes an abject response, and I'm like, 
Hawaii. But there's just people with those. Yeah. Um, Severed limbs. Like if you saw a yeah, like arm a, like on a, the ground. That, that should that, cause that an abject sense. response. But it's the thing they talk about where like people will find dead bodies and think that they're mannequins because your brain so badly does mm-hmm. not want to see a dead body that will make it into something non-human. Oh yeah, like the abject like, response is heavily associated with like mortification, like not like extreme embarrassment, but your response to seeing a corpse yeah. like uh like all sorts of horrific like vomit like based like fear yeah just it's like a visceral visceral response. responses um and in my in my understanding of what abject is and what the uncanny valley is human beings have a similar response and obviously less so now to <laughs> but sometimes not so to to the queer mm-hmm. uh in like people who are doing like gay lesbian whatever things yeah. but also like people who are doing gender bad yeah quote unquote you, yeah. um oh, i have a lot to say about this in relation because, to performance. oh yeah because it it creates a very similar response of like that's that's not human mm-hmm. like that the thing that is happening right now i'm clutching my pearls and yeah exaggeration is 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 not human and you have that that response that it's like it looks human but they're doing like an inhuman thing right and that's or it that, doesn't look quite human and that's something like that i experience human, yeah it's not in- quite human important ways that i compare i'm sorry i'll finish real quick that's that's something that i compare a lot to my experiences as a person who oftentimes does not pass as one gender or the other Mm -hmm. or who does pass as one gender or the other but there is confusion there uh when people have that first moment of seeing me or hearing me or like experiencing me in some propensity there is that moment of confusion and upset that happens when they can't when they can't like position me in that in that area and i argue that that is a form of abject response and i'm curious of what you what you were trying to say i have so many things to say um one of them and immediately is like it's not the same thing but like working and being in the body modification community is there's a lot of that like abject response to like body mod people or to like seeing from people who are not in like i think I guess what I'm trying to get at is that abject response I think you can train out of yourself. Some people are sort of, I think, you know, lacking empathy or like sociopaths are often born, or I know that's not a real term, but like colloquially sociopaths are born often without it because a lot, like a lot of people, obviously not all psychopaths and sociopaths end up as murderers, Mm -hmm. but part of why that personality, those personality disorders can be predisposed for people to become killers is because they lacked the empathetic, like, the normal human response is to have an abject response to, like, killing somebody. Yeah, or sure. to death in front of you. Or to, a, a, like, extreme gore and violence. You can obviously desensitize yourself to that. But I think that that same response applying to, like, queer and or, like, modded and or disabled people is something learned. Um, I personally think. And oh, so, yeah. Like, people will look at, like, I look at a picture of, like, Fakir Mustafar, who just passed away, rest his soul, um, who was a, a, a like, progenitor of, of um, body, like, quote-unquote extreme body modification and, like, bringing, like, that pain ritual back to the West, mm-hmm. um, especially back to American, he helped start American body modification, basically, and, like, uh, American piercing, 
um, and tattooing. And like some people will look at, he had these like stretched, they weren't even stretched nipple piercings. He just had these like heel, well, maybe they started that way, healed like holes in his chest so that he would like above his nipples or like through his nipples that he would mm-hmm. insert like daggers and stuff yeah, into. Sure. Um, and all these things, or like people who in the modern era have the like really stretched lower lip mm-hmm. like people will look at that and have that abject response but people who are like in the community or whatever will look at that uh like i don't really get it but that's also not my thing um will look at that and be like huh how interesting it's like how um oh kate bornstein talks about like radical curiosity yeah um, yeah as a way to build empathy and to like build a more empathetic world it's i think you can use radical curiosity and compassion to train yourself out of those abject responses that are applied not to the truly grotesque but to the different um and so i think i think there's grotesqueness applied to the different um i think there are a lot of read a couple books house of leaves talks a lot about the uncanny um just we'll get more into that but it's a very good book i really like it um and geek love is a book I read recently. I do love Geek Love. It's one of my favorite books that I've read in a while. Um, I know a lot of people have read it. It's sort of like a, a classic of that genre, but I just had never read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole book is about like what we view as the grotesque and where do we have an abject response and why. Um, or maybe not even why. It's just like examining yeah, I feel why like it's you like would a have an abject response to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that can be trained out and i think that is a really interesting question in relation to like when we get androids like almost like how will we know like maybe android like artificial intelligence won't look like we expect it to and like how will we know um the other thing i wanted to say is that uh what the fuck did i want to say fuck if you don't know i have stuff about video games i had i had something (laughs) shit what did you say before I'm sorry, Hannah. Fuck the abject and... Queer, uh, gender, my experience. Oh, I follow a lot of uh, drag artists on Instagram, not just people who are, like, doing really interesting... Like, I follow somebody who just got gender nullification surgery on Instagram. Um, But also a lot of... Do you want to explain what gender nullification surgery is before you move on? As far as I understand, it's just the complete removal of, like, all secondary sex characteristics yeah i did it's um, removal of uh genitalia and right yeah it's all of complete yeah. removal of genitalia yeah rather than like gender reassignment surgery i'm using air quotes it's just um or like tr- quote-unquote traditional bottom surgery it's just the complete removal thereof mm-hmm. um like for a person born with these things the just complete removal of a penis and testicles mm-hmm. Um, it can be, depending on how it's done, it can be kind of dangerous because some of those things help regulate hormones in your body and you will like have to be on hormones forever. I mean, you have to do that if you get like a hysterectomy or get, totally. Uh, but yeah, gen- gender nullification, I guess can like, um, exacerbate that depending on how it's done and what your sure. anatomy is. Um, anyway, and I follow a lot of like cool, like alien drag artists, um, often in Europe. And I think, I guess the thought I was forming as you were talking is that like, as, certain aspects of like queer existence and get more accepted in the mainstream like mm-hmm. rupaul's drag race is a wildly popular show i don't think it's uh any longer that transgressive to do like quote-unquote traditional drag um or what people think of when they think drag queens like i think that's pretty popularized in media i don't think it's totally untransgressive <laughs> transgressive I- yeah, but I, I think many fewer people have an abject response to that anymore because of the popular 
popularity of the popularity of shows like RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and a lot of these drag artists are trying to do things where like they'll have like there's this artist one of my favorites called Is She Hungry is her account. And they'll do things like have these like almost human but really distorted masks that they wear and like with these like crazy like I don't even, it looks, remember when the uh, Google, what was it called, like Google Deep Web or whatever, when those images were really popular, where it would like compile an image out of a bunch of images and it, it was all very uncanny, like mm-hmm. almost like the thing, but it was like melting. That's kind of how these drag artists are doing like their faces and that kind of thing. Um, and I think that is really interesting in terms of, I, I personally think part of the point of extreme gender performance, like drag is to elicit an abject response in order to... Like that drag artist we saw over Pride that uh, was doing that like trash drag to Mickey Blanco and pulled yeah, the enema Seattle. out. Yeah, from Seattle. It was amazing. Yeah, pulled the enema out to purposely make people incredibly uncomfortable with their performance. Like it's like theater of cruelty drag, mm-hmm. and like the the intentional uh, elicitation, eliciting, the intentional evocation of oh. um, the abject. I do just want to say I definitely do not think that uh, the vast majority of culture accepts, like, quote-unquote traditional drag. Like I don't know about that. I I think that a lot of people still have very negative responses to people. No, I do think artists. a lot of However, people However, I do, do. But I think it's getting more mainstream. I do still want to tie this back to video games. Um, something that you said uh, really, I feel is the main one of the main investigations of this paper as well as the main connections to video games is the fact that a lot of these responses are trained into us Mm -hmm. i think it ties very strongly to the fact that um in in video games as well as popular culture a lot of the people that we view as enemies are uh marginalized in some propensity or have some difference i'm thinking specifically of games like uh like rage and Mm -hmm. rage 2 made by bethesda wherein the enemies are, uh, like, facially different, mm. uh, like, mm-hmm. visibly disabled. Um, and it's it's a pretty, hopefully, more well-discussed fact by the, like, in a lot of the Call of Duty games, the enemies are people of color. All um, of them that I know of. Yeah. Because they're all, they're like, some, modern like, war World in war Iraq and America. Yeah. It's, it's quite a thing. But I also have been thinking a lot about uh, Detroit Become Human hmm. throughout this. Do you remember that game? That came out earlier this year in May. <laughs> I don't know a lot about it. it came out I just on know May of it. Twenty fifth, um, where <laughs> you play basically through the eyes of multiple characters. Uh, you play as a police investigator android. You play as a housekeeper android. You play as a caretaker android. And these these people develop like uh, artificial consciousness, um, and it. It's sort of in hmm, this this character Marcus that you play is considered deviant because he is creating this uprising of mm-hmm. androids who are fighting for their rights. Um, it's it's very it's very interesting and some of the like I, I don't want to spoil the plot of the game since it just came out this year. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time reading a lot about it because I've always, again, I've always been very fascinated by, by these sorts of things. But the vast majority of our stories about androids, like uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, like iRobot, like um, Ex Machina, involve 
our fear of them uh-huh, as soon totally. as they gain sentience, yeah, as totally. soon as they like gain the robot consciousness. Um, and what's and that's interesting the whole to crux me, of the Matrix. I mean, the Matrix is more complex. Than the Matrix is more complex. But what's interesting to me about that, arguably a metaphor for trans existence, is I will talk to the best of my knowledge, and I've just started playing Near Automata, and I have some knowledge of what will be to come later. But there are fewer games Ooh, like uh, <laughs> not to talk about Mass Effect again, Classic but the the artificial intelligence in Mass Effect 80 is not portrayed as evil or scary right but and she's the, she's portrayed as a lot of people are scared of yes, her initially true. because ai is illegal in the mass effect universe yes. again sorry folks i know we fixate on bioware but we know the most about it and i think there's a very there are very good examples of exactly what we're talking about in the mass effect but i universe. also want to talk about how in near automata so far the androids are not evil well <laughs> the androids so we've only played like two hours of yeah the game, but the androids are the only people you see yes it's robots versus robots but it's interesting uh, because the the androids that you're playing as, again, only played the first couple hours of the game. I have purposely not read a whole lot about it because mm-hmm. I know there's twists that I don't want spoiled. And then I know that they're very like emotionally effective twists that I don't want to spoil for myself. I want to experience them yes. as they happen. Um, but the robots you're playing as are very humanoid. And I think if you knew nothing mm-hmm. about that game, you would think your character was human At until uh, you're playing. spoil it. What? Until they spoil, like, that you're that it's not, not human. human. Yeah. yeah, it's not a spoil. It's just, like, you're playing as, um, I forget the character's names, but you you have, like, a, a letter and a number as your character is it, name. Is it 2B? 2B, yeah. Uh, you're playing as 2B, um, and uh, 9S is your companion. Mm-hmm. And 9S, like, crashes in his thing, and then you see, like, his machinery come yeah. out. So then you, like, a rev- it's revealed that you are androids. But again, and that's you the knew- first hour of the game. <laughs> yeah. If you knew anything about the game, you already knew you were androids. But yeah. also the name is near Automata, so you could probably discern it. But You might not. Your enemies are these very inhuman-looking robots. Like, they're these very industrial machines. And it's apparently they're like an alien race that are sentient machines. But instead of being like the sleek sentient machines that are often the like alien enemies in this game, even in the Mass Effect universe... Like, the Geth are scary, but they're pretty, like, sleek-looking. It's, like, rounded mm-hmm. edges and refined whatever. The aliens that, so far that you fought, like, the enemies in Nier Automata are these very, like, rusty, almost, like, industrial, almost like a, a robot from... Like our conception of robots from the 50s. Yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, rust-colored tin cans and, like, the first big boss you fight, <clears throat> which is, again, in the first, like, hour and a half of the game, is this giant, like machine that's got like, like arms that are like industrial Saws. thrashers it's this big cool Sit like tight. diesel punk mech um but you are this very like sleek human looking android fighting against that and mm-hmm. i'm very interested to see like the dynamics of that, how that and how these robots are viewed as more human like you're fighting for the human race supposedly mm-hmm. and how these robots are viewed as the enemy and like the relationship between those things um, but like a Mass Effect, like you're saying, like everybody's afraid of Edie and AI is illegal in that world based on mm. the fear of, like obviously the game was written by modern human beings, so based on that fear of, but part of the point of Edie's character, I think, is is to examine what it means to be human and to examine like, or what it means to be like a person, maybe more so Yeah, I would human. say a person. Um, and to examine like why that fear exists and like, Edie is a very sympathetic character. Like, she's funny and she's cool and whatever. Um, and then she gets this, like, hot robot bod. 
Um, yeah, it's pretty tight. But she's given, she's genders as a she, and then she's given this very, like, femme bod, because the male gaze. But she's not passing as human is what's interesting, because right, her she body doesn't have is skin. very obviously yeah. uh, that of a robot. What's, I guess the final thing that I kind of want to add on to this, um, this conversation is the fact that in video games, I don't know if, um, if you're familiar with this chat, but I assume that you are, is the fact that a lot of the discussion surrounding, like, newer and better and bigger games is advanced AI, mm-hmm. like, advanced, uh, computer response yeah, to Yeah, like, how smart is players. the game? Yeah, like, how smart is the game? How well can the computer respond to you? And the more complex and nuanced and human-like it is, the more it's lauded mm-hmm. for being a very good game. Right, like, everybody's talking about in the Last of Us 2 gameplay trailer how the AI doesn't have a like there's obviously a program that does it, but it doesn't have like a plant path that yeah. you can watch so you can like stealth at certain times mm-hmm. like they move more like humans would in that situation where they're just kind of like looking around generally in unpredictable and that's ways fascinating to me how that's desirable in some contexts mm-hmm. like uh, more realism it is fascinating to not me in others yeah it's fascinating it's very fascinating to me how we si- how like we as a society simultaneously fear like true ai like humanoid fully uh, conscious AI and in our media tend to laud things that emulate that but aren't quite that. Mm -hmm. Like we laud, and I think in the gaming world it's a little bit different, but like we laud something like these new games are coming out, like we laud these new graphics engines that are making graphics much more realistic and we laud things like the Last of Us 2 gameplay trailer where people move more human-like while simultaneously fearing the reality of robots becoming that smart. Like, we're trying, we're, it's this weird line that people are walking between trying to make robots smart and not make them too fearing smart. Fearing how smart they get. And I think it depends on who you are, though, because sure. I'm very excited to AI, to talk to AI. I'm really excited to talk to this new life form and, and see what it thinks. Like, I'm very excited to see uh, this type of thing. I've also always wanted to be a cyborg. Um, and that is a very weird thing. Like that is a very, like when I tell people that it sort of elicits an abject response from them often. I always wanted to be a cyborg. And when I tell people that it often elicits an abject response from them because a lot of people like fear that or whatever. Like we were just talking to Charles. Hi Charles. About this last night. Not only, I'm sorry, we're going to explore that in Cyberpunk 2077 when oh, it comes I'm out. Oh, I'm so excited uh, for Cyberpunk. I'm really excited to have this conversation in relation in to Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077. A big theme in the Cyberpunk 2020 universe is the fact that the uh, cyborg people are so heavily discriminated against by mm-hmm. the other groups of people because they are seen as having traded their humanity mm-hmm. for um, like something different, and people have... Uh, revols like revulsion responses to them mm-hmm. like it's well in it's the trailer terrible. there's that the the person who takes off their jaw to like do maintenance or whatever well it seems like in cyberpunk 2077 it's a little bit farther in the future uh and it seems like a little bit more people a few more people have gotten some uh, cybernetic enhancements yeah well i'm just very curious to see how it because we don't know a whole or lot at about least the extreme cybernetic that. enhancements yeah. because these cyborg people that i'm, I'm thinking so of excited. no longer resemble humans other people have cybernetic advancements. Yeah, but, they but these still people have enough, like, choose to and I think that's humans. an interesting, like, it's interesting, like, the context of when that game came out and this, like, fear of, like, punks and how 
part, part of why people like I'm terrified feared of punks and goths. God forbid. I'm so scared of goths. Um, but part of why people feared punks and goths is because part of the whole goth aesthetic is looking inhuman, mm-hmm. like doing this big crazy makeup to like look. It, it's corpse paint, but like these big crazy eyeshadows and stuff to like look less human. Yes, Kai. Well, what's interesting about goth culture is that a lot of it is also um, very less reliant on gender for what you're oh, going totally, to dress yeah. like and that's that's very interesting to me that that, yeah. that connects to that as well and in the body mod community which a lot of that overlap rose yeah there's a lot of overlap um and why people fear that is like even even people will look at like this is becoming more commonly accepted like people with piercings and tattoos it's like people who get body modifications is like forfeiting their humanity and that i think is like mm-hmm. a, a, a um cyberpunk 2020. yes yeah, for cyberpunk 2020 and the cyberpunk universe is like where that is going i can only hope um because like i know somebody who has had their nipples removed and their ears pointed and identifies as a living elf and has his face all tattooed he's, such a sweet he's boy. a very sweet boy i love him a lot he's got great cats um great calves too great calves great, thank you great cats <laughs> i'm so um, glad you were also thinking that he's a, he's a fitness aficionado mm-hmm. uh he likes his cats he likes video games he likes fitness he likes piercing kind of um he likes making money and uh but yeah that that he's looked at as some kind of freak show it's like consensual procedures like he just didn't like his nipples so he got him cut off but he's looked at some kind of freak show because he is getting rid of these what we signify like that show kyle xy that was on tv and he was an alien and his one like and marker, he went into stella's one time yeah he came into stella's one time my coworker was really excited about it um his one he like marker for not being human pants. was not uh having a belly button he, in the first episode he doesn't know what peeing is and he pees his pants oh but he doesn't <laughs> have a belly button and it's just interesting it's like oh uh, there's a lot of like weird freaky drag artists and just like goths i know shave their eyebrows and like draw them back on Mm -hmm. because it looks purposely because it looks less human like Mm -hmm. if you shave there's plenty of people with alopecia but like in terms of an abject response if you see somebody without eyebrows that's often like a gut like oh something's off about your face and people have that abject response to facial difference in general oh yeah Uh, but people who willingly do because those things are seen as un- so undesirable, people who willingly do that are seen as so abject and so, eh, abject and so undesirable well, and I so freakish. Similarly, uh, people still view, and to, uh, I, I don't necessarily, I, I disagree with this in, in their take of it, but I don't disagree with this conceptually. People still view like being queer and being trans as very choice-based, especially totally. being trans and especially getting any kind of surgery oh, or totally, medical yeah. procedure in relationship to that. So it's just like why would you ever do that to your body and then that's a very similar response is what totally I'm absolutely um and i think there's something too about uh wow it's very hot god in heaven it's so hard to follow my thoughts i've had a lot of coffee today i mean i think we're getting close to the end of the episode no i really I... had something to say it's gonna get it's gonna get me there okay I'm well I'm, there. I'll, I'm i was planning on saying like the the last part of my paper yeah and but i want it okay. if you don't know what it is how are you gonna but say it's tra- it fuck it was transness it was body modification seen as very freakish seen as very abject cybernetic enhancements what did you say how did you start that sentence i said uh transness and queerness is often seen as a choice and i don't necessarily i disagree with the way that people are interpreting that yeah i've lost it okay i'm sorry i have the short-term memory of um, a person with a very bad short-term memory yes today. that's that's funny I, 
I, I think that I think that a lot of uh, I, I feel like, oh man, choice is involved Ooh. in being queer and trans. Yes, okay, you got it? This isn't quite what I was going to say, but it, it you just said choice is involved with the fear. And I think oh, I all of this, ex- you did with the fear of being. Oh, trans- yeah, you maybe. Just yeah, said yeah, that. yeah, okay. You did just say that. I thought, you were, I thought you were quoting me directly, but you weren't. No, I was quoting a portion of I what see. you said. Yes. Um, I was integrating your quote into my paragraph. Brilliant, go on. And. That all of, I wonder if a lot of this is tied to like a fear of choice. Like, what do we fear about AI? We fear their ability to like choose and have autonomy. Mm. Um, and I could go on a whole diatribe, and I have actually several times recently this week about uh, have. the about body modification, <laughs> specifically about like body modification in the West and how like Western Judeo Christianity like erased this body modification and pain ritual tradition that, that virtually every world culture has, including their own. Um, but I wonder how much of that is wrapped up in general of just a fear of choice. Interesting. You know? I, I it's not. It's a thought I just had. No, that's an interesting thought. I I guess to conclude my own thought. And a fear this, of bodily autonomy mm, for sure. For sure, in our culture, most definitely. This opens up a whole different can of worms. But I I just do wanna wanna say it. There's a lot of aspects of queer identity and queer culture that I do believe are choice based, such as like. Which uh, aesthetic which jorts to wear like uh, parts of culture that you participate in because why people, do lesbians wear the same outfit yes, every day because you i don't think that that being attracted to people of the same or similar genders to you is a choice but i think that a lot of the like stuff that goes along with it is a choice and personally my experience of being trans it was not necessarily something that mm, I think that it was a choice. Sorry, don't step on the computer. I'm, I'm talking about something important here. I know, I'm sorry. To me? I, I am listening to you. I, pos- I promise I am listening okay. to you. I was making sure that Tori wasn't going to step on the computer and fuck up our That's recording. That's reasonable. I, I think that it was a choice for me to start taking testosterone, sure. but I also don't think I would have had a happy life had I not. Totally, yeah. And I yeah. think that that's how some other trans people have talked about their experiences with medical transitioning. Like, it was a choice, and it was important. That's so fucking good. Tori's it was getting into the recording important back. that I made that choice. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the time, especially given the fact that there's no easy solution for that choice in that I feel like I am a man and should be a man, people are expecting that to have been mm-hmm. my reasoning, but that is not. Well, and that choice yeah. is odd. To me, folks. it almost doesn't matter. It's something I've been thinking about is it doesn't really matter whether it's a choice or not because I think the the, the um oh the the fundamental crux of the problem leave. is like is whether it matters whether it's it's a choice. I guess what I'm saying is like why would it matter if it was a choice? Like who cares? Like why people are we care about people's choices all the time? No, that's what I'm saying is like the 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 root of that problem is like. The, the notion that if it was a choice, that would be a problem. Sure. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I definitely agree yeah, with that. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm that's saying is that, that a like, lot of folks come to. that people stare at me and so forth just because I have a lot of piercings and tattoos. So, like, I made a choice to do that, but why is that a problem? Mm-hmm. Also, it's stuff that I, I it, this is a more esoteric question about, like, what's a choice and what's not, because, like, I feel spiritually drawn to get piercings and tattoos. It's something that I've always wanted and felt, since I knew about it at all, it's something that I've wanted and felt really drawn to. And you hear from a lot of people in like the modern primitives movement and a lot of people in body modification that they're like, I don't know, I just needed to do this. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people would say that's a choice, but like how much of that is a choice and how much of it is intrinsic and is there really a difference? 
Um, like how much do we even have choice and how much have we driven to things? And at the end of the day, does it matter? Why does it matter if it's, why is it a bad thing? Because it's a choice. And that's, uh, I just want to, I just want to mention like our original point again and probably start wrapping things up. Um, I, did I read the last sentence of this? No, I totally didn't. Um, I feel like there is so much of AI and androids tied into video games and popular culture, like, even even now, when I feel like the, the like, iRobot fad is a little bit past its fine, there's still stuff was that... Was iRobot a fad? I totally think so. Okay. I think it was, like, a part of oh. a fad of yeah, talking about sorry. robot uprisings yeah, and all that. Um, but Detroit Become Human just came out this year, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about androids for a long while, and I think the connection to AI and video games is very interesting. Right, um, we're still making narratives. It's in, yeah, still in the cultural it's narrative. It's still in the Since, like, the mid two thousand, like, basically in the new millennium, like, the more technology Oh, man, it's been around thing. before that, too. No, I know, but, like, the more, the more, I mean, like, Metropolis was made in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something very interesting that if I had remembered to talk about it before this moment, we could have talked about Metropolis I and the robot of Metropolis and, like, what does humanity mean in relation to that and, like, where do those mythos come from? But like the more the better technology gets, the more narratives, and it's there's a lot of that like, like a lot of monsters are just like like in no way human, like objectively grotesque or like more like animalistic, but like zombies being the big cultural monster oh, for abject. the last little while, yeah, that like it was human at one point in time, yeah, but it's lost its humanity. So anyway, my my conclusion talks about the fact that humanity relies on gender which Mm -hmm. ties heavily back to the fact that the turing test literally in his original article was about checking Mm -hmm. if somebody had the right gender like fuck um and be and like trans people and a lot of queer people Mm -hmm. gender non-conforming people subvert the norm of that right like what does it mean to pass as human and in my book does it matter like why do we fear things that don't why do we fear things that don't i think is the better question uh, because why does it matter to me is like it matters to me that people view me as human so I can be treated as a person. Right. In a perfect – oh, Coco just texted both of us. Um, in a perfect world – it's probably about Film on the Rocks. In probably. a perfect world where it, it wouldn't matter if people viewed if we were human if inhuman things were treated With equally. humanity. Yeah, With exactly. Humanity. It's like people who don't treat animals well or people who like argue that – eating meat is okay because it's just a dumb animal this is not going on a vegan diatribe like eat whatever you want but people who use that argument as an anti-vegan thing or as a justification like eat whatever you want it's fine but don't try to justify it with like it's just a dumb animal because that speaks to such a radical lack of empathy for me that like okay but like it's not a human why is it less deserving of respect like if we decide like different life forms are different worth different levels of respect then where does that stop and that leads to a lot of the problems in our world like mm. if we decide different life forms are in different strata of like meaning and worth then we are also allowed to apply that to humans and different levels of human so in humanity it's like people are the the scapegoats and the whipping boys and like it's people of color obviously and it's queers and trans people so because queers and trans people get to be seen as less human because we look real funny and we don't look the way that is expected to be like we don't yeah, pass and that, the turing test. and that ties to my conclusion basically Which is all i want no we don't pass the turing test um and i feel like this is why it is enforced on trans people queer people androids and ai to pass or else we will not be 
afforded the humanity that other people Mm -hmm. do sometimes like want for us like cis people really want trans people to pass as cis because they want order for them to treat us like yeah exactly or treat you like humans um so that's i feel a good place to well and if if we're allowed to assign human humanity to anything it it breaks apart the whole foundation of the hegemony that like hegemony yes like i said hegemony Ah. bite me about it the whole um like cornerstone of that being like things have order and things have their right place then if you break that up and it's like i get to look all funky and have pointed ears and split tongue and whatever and i get to like have a job and work and have friends and be human Mm -hmm. that breaks apart their whole argument and that i think is very much applied to like ai too it's like if ai gets to have autonomy then like your whole thing falls apart Mm mm-hmm so this has been If It's Gay We Play, the podcast where we talk about... It's been about, a discussion about robots. Yeah, I'm very robots. excited about it because I feel like this is going to be where we break out of our Bioware rut. I'm very excited. Uh, I like our Bioware I'm, rut. I don't. I'm tired of it. Gosh darn I just... It. It's... it's Okay, I like using it. Not just oh focusing no, I'm trying on to it. conclude. No, we are going to. I don't... I don't like the... I don't feel... It, if we overfocus on it, I don't like that, but using this series of pretty popular games that we've played a ton of and know a lot about as a touchstone for these topics. Like, I think it would, we would be remiss. I want to talk more about the ending of Mass Effect 3. We could do that We'll do time. that eventually. But uh, it would be, we would be remiss to talk about AI and not talk about how it's handled in the Mass Effect universe because sure. I think that... and it, we did. There's a lot of discu- like good discussion about it in the Mass Effect universe. I don't disagree. It's just I would like more of our takes on other video games because I, I think know. that other video games need to be queer. We are. Weird. We're trying. We are. We're doing, we're listen, doing a fine job. Listen. I, look. We're doing our best. <laughs> um... Uh, I want to be a robot. You You can find us on social media. Speaking of robots, um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Gay Gamers with a Z. Z. You can find us, you can email us at ifitsgaywepplay at gmail.com. I need human interaction. Well, um, I need Android interaction. Please email us. Uh, and you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Google Play. Um, go ahead and throw us a rating. We got a couple new ratings this week, which is toy. Uh, if we get more yeah. ratings and reviews, it helps us get seen by more people. And you can tell, tell your, your friends. friends, hey, listen to the gay podcast where they talk about robots. robots. We didn't even talk once about how about whether we want to fuck robots. No, we didn't. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I think the answer <laughs> all around, actually. Yes. Like, resounding, yes. Yeah, I'd fuck we could a talk robot. About, ooh, I want to talk about, like, sex in video games another time. And, like, yeah. I Let's talk about, about sex. Baby, let's talk, talk about, about you and me. Well, hold on. Meow. Actually, how how far are you allowed to go into a song before you have to pay them? Uh, I think if you meow it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, so anyway, and it's like thirty seconds or something. Like that. Yeah, yeah, something fine. like it's that. Like okay. Song close to a minute. Okay, also, I meowed. I didn't say. Uh, yeah, it could have been any song. Could who knows? Um, it was in cat. We love you. We love you so much. We're going to Canada. We're going Thursday. to Canada and so we'll the continue next podcasting. So that you hear will It'll be, be recorded. It'll be a special Canadian It'll episode. It'll be a special international edition of If It's Gay We Play yes. from uh, the great city of Vancouver. Not only do Hannah and I live together and work together, but we also vacation together. Oh my God, we're going on vacay. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so genuinely, tired. actually, yeah. I'm so tired. Uh, we'll get to sleep. So It'll be nice. It'll be so dark. Um, we're going to go to the beach. Keep Great. Playing gay. Keep being games. Oh shit.
Goodbye. Goodbye.